All right, praise God. Well, let's open up in prayer. I'm going to share uh, share some scripture, and then you'll see what this giant thing behind us is for, and um, it's going to be good. God, we thank you for a season of small groups. I believe that life change happens when two or three gather. But Lord, I thank you for your word. Your word is true. Your word is good. And Lord, I ask that you would just empower me and anoint me, equip me, and allow me to share your word, because it's something I definitely can't do on my own. So please, God, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've been doing a series over the next few weeks um, that will actually be the last week. Today is the last week because next week's our one-year anniversary. All right. We've been here for one year. Praise God. Um, We're still here. The the lights are on. People are coming even when it's cold. Um, You know, hey, praise God. We're having church and it's been fun. We've, I mean, we've seen people get, get saved and we've seen people in our church pass away this year. And where it's brand new. And we don't know what the next year is going to hold, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And hopefully God continues to build a family here. Um, and hopefully some of you guys that have been here and sticking around for a while, that's what you're finding is people who love Jesus and that, that act like a family. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you love each other. Um, and so we're, we're, but today we're talking about looking back and moving forward. I gave a couple examples, kind of like a rowboat, where you're looking back, you see what God has done and you're grateful for what God has done for this last year, I thank God. It's been awesome. We're grateful. But we're moving forward. We're going to where God wants us to go. We're trying to do what God has called us to do. And it may be different from the past, but it's in the direction that God is leading us. And we looked at prayer and how, how the early church prayed a lot, and we, we think that um, it's probably important, which is why we're, we've done 21 days of prayer, which you're, I think we've had probably about maybe 16 to 18 different people show up, not every day because people can't make it every day. But if somebody had their day off, they show up early, and and they pray. And um, it's been good. God has has moved in me. Well, today I want to look even further back into the Old Testament. All right, now, if you've never read your Bible, Bible, if you've never read your Bible, the Old Testament can be one of those books that you, you, you hear about Jesus, but then you get to the Old Testament, and you're like, what the heck are they talking about? Like, you're, some things happen that just we can't relate to very well, especially if we know Jesus and we know, we know what he said. And you look at the Old Testament, and it gets confusing, and it gets hard. There's a scripture. It's in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. And I put it there on your insert. If you don't have one, raise your hand, and, and somebody can get one to you. But it says, um, they're, they're talking about, the, book, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the system of worship that was used in the Old Testament. And he says it's only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. And why the reason I got this um, board behind me is because I wanted to put a shadow before you. And, and, and if you see behind me and as we get this light, oh, thank God for that right there. That's amazing. Praise God. But if you see this shadow right here, it's for Jesus. I'll suffer for Jesus. I'll get my whole cornea or retina or whatever that is that, that can't see. But you see this shadow behind me. Uh, we know what a shadow is, but I figured it'd be good to, to put one before you. I, the whole Old Testament is a shadow of what was to come in Christ. See, I'm very Christ-centric in my theology, which means Christ is at the center of the way I understand God. I believe he's the fullness, the expression, the, invisib- the image of the invisible God. And so when we look back into the Old Testament, we see him, but we see him like a shadow. And some of the stuff we see, we can't see as clearly as we see in Jesus. 
So you can see me and you can see the, the colors on my shirt right now or my sweater. You can see I have a watch on. You can see my hair and, and you, you can see me. But, but when you look in the shadow, I mean, you could tell some things, but others aren't as clear. But so the point is to look at Christ as you look at the Old Testament. It's been said that if, if the scripture was to be cut, if you were to cut the scripture, if it was a living organism, it would bleed Jesus. And so as we look back at the Old Testament, we see it through the filter of Christ. And not the Christ we want, but the Christ that we were given. It's very important to really know who Jesus is. To really know what he said and to know what he taught and to know how he was. And then when you look at the Old Testament, the shadow can make sense. And so we're going to look um, and through the temple. For those of you guys who don't know, the temple was the way, it was the shadow of how, of how the Hebrew people, the temple and the tabernacle, um, were the shadow of the way people met with God. And in 2018, one of my prayers is, is not just to be a good pastor. Like, I hope I, don't, hope I don't suck as a pastor, all right? I pray like that. I don't want to suck. I don't want to be bad. You know, I want to love people. But I, but I also, I want to know God myself. And you can get caught up in church real easy and forget about Jesus. So, like, I want to know God. I, I, when, I, when God talks, I want to hear him. I want to know what his word says. I don't want him just to be some thing out there in the ether somewhere. I want him to be the God that lives and breathes and that is with me. And, and, and we come through Christ, but back then they had a temple. I can't even imagine what it was like to live in that kind of a society, but, but that was the shadow, the image that God was preparing to show Christ. And he said, so look at this, and, and Christ was coming. And so they, they had these very elaborate rituals and very elaborate things that they would do. My idea that they all are Jesus. And thank God we don't have to go back to the rituals. So we're going to talk about the rituals, but no, we're, we're set free. We have the real thing. We have the living God. We have the invisible God uh, revealed in Christ, right? We don't have to go back to temple worship. We don't have to go back to the Old Testament way of doing things. We are delivered from the law. We don't have to go back to circumcision, all right? Praise God. Be a heck of an altar call. Imagine if that's how things were. Right, you want to accept Jesus? Who's serious? All right, it'd be a whole, really a lot harder to get people to receive Christ. I mean, we just have to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. So there's a lot we're delivered from. And so don't go back into it, but look at it and appreciate what God has done. The first part of the temple, and you can see it in the picture there, is, is there was an outer court. There, there were courts. There was different levels of entrance into the temple. And, and the scripture in Psalms Chapter 100, verses 4 through 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and faithfulness to all generations. See, I believe very passionately in the power of praise um, and what praise really is. Praise is remembering who the God you serve is. In fact, in the scriptures, and prove me wrong because I'm, I'm not perfect, but I can only see like one of two reactions for when people see God. One is they're terrified, and the other is they're praising him and falling down on their faces. And so as we come into God's presence, like this is about us in 2018, looking back at something that happened in the Middle East thousands of years ago and saying, how can we look back at that, but how can we move forward here? 
I'm telling you, there is something powerful in praising God. There's something powerful. It's like takes an act of faith, especially when your circumstances don't look good, especially when things are bad. We should be thankful in all things, grateful, praise. And, and, and I can't tell you what it does for me. In fact, the 21 days of prayer, if you were to come here in the morning, we, play, we pray worship music through most of it um, as we pray, and it kind of is in the background, not too strong. But do you, I can't tell you what happens when you have a song in your heart of praise to God. Like, it does something. The Bible talks about speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and there's power in a song. Songs can cut to your emotions. Praise is more than a song, but it's really hard to separate them too much. You know, I mean, you, you can have a song that's praise, or you can just say, thank you, God. When we were singing Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, that's, that's a song that's been a while, around a while. But there was a part that we got to today when I just thought about it, and I was like, Nothing but your blood, God. And I had to praise. I had to forget that what I'm preaching or forget that I'm speaking. And I just had to be grateful between me and my God and say, God, there is nothing but your blood. And offer up praise. And so as you come this year, if you want to meet with God, there's, there's power in praising God because of what he's accomplished in Christ. Like, it's powerful. Try, try that. Try to start off even if you don't feel it. Don't be a slave to your emotions. Be a slave to Christ. Don't let your emotions guide you. Let Christ and his spirit guide you. And try starting off, just, just praise him. You could do it however you want. You could do it wherever you want. But I guarantee you that that's one of a fundamental thing. And that was one of the things that they, they, had, the, they had the outer courts. The psalmist made it very clear, hey, when you come to God's temple, this place where you can meet with God, start off with praise. The next thing they had is they had this laver, which is that little bowl thing where they would wash themselves and prepare themselves. The next point would be to, to look to the cross. Look to the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed to destruction. This is 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But to us who are being saved, we know it's the very power of God. See, if you take the cross out of Christianity, you really have nothing. You have nothing. Like Jesus' teachings about, they don't make any sense outside of the cross. The cross is the power of God unto salvation. And that's where we come. That laver was this place where they would come and they would wash, where they would begin to, to be clean. And, 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 and I want to tell you that, that, that we need to be cleansed because of, of what Christ has done, this idea of, of the cross of Christ. The next thing right there, um, it says, present. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, this is Roman verse 12, 1. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you by the mercies of God to give your bodies to, because of all that he has done for you. And let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So you have that laver where you look to the cross and you realize that you're forgiven, where you're washed, where you, you bring your sin. Is anybody sinned this week or am I like the only one who's blowing it? I mean, am I the only? Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to get rid of that. 
I'm God's working in me. I'm not what I was. But so you have this laver where you come and you get, you get washed. You have the forgiveness that's available in the cross. But then the next thing you see is, is you see this altar. There's a bronze altar there. And they would offer up a sacrifice. See, we've already received the sacrifice of Christ. So it's not like we have to bring a goat or a bull or two pigeons or some vegetables or fruits. But it talks about offering up your bodies. Offer up your bodies as living sacrifices. See, I know Christianity is a religion of the heart, but you know what you do with your body kind of shows what's going on in your heart. And so as you're trying to, to get with God and trying to spend time with him, think about, think about this. You start off with praise. I thank you, you love me, Jesus. I thank you, you're always faithful. You look to the cross. God, I thank you, my sins are forgiven. I thank you, your blood has covered me. And then you go to the altar and you offer yourself and say, God, today, and I do this, let my mouth, what comes out of here, this tongue and these lips, let them glorify you. Let these eyes, let them focus on what you have for me. Let these hands do the work that you would do. Let my feet go to the places that you would go to offer your body up. Like, we know it's a spiritual reality. But to center and say, God, you know what? I'm a sacrifice. If you want me to show up here 7 o'clock in the morning to turn on the air conditioner or the heater so that at least it gets 3 degrees warmer, I'll do it. You know, if that's what you want. If you want me to go and do this, I'll do it. If you want me to, and we're sorry about the temperature. We got it about as warm as we could. We had space heaters in here. We've done the best that we can, and that's just the way it is. But the idea is, is that you offer your body. That's kind of what, for me, fasting does, you know. I try not to fast so that I'm angry. Because if I'm going to fast and I get angry, I'm just not doing it. That's not God. But when I fast and when, when, I, when I stop food and then I do get hungry, I'm in that period of mourning and being like, God, I know I'm hungry, but, but God, I'm spiritually more hungry for you right now. I'm spiritually desiring more of you. And it, it can become a very personal, a very life-giving thing. The second it stops getting light, being life-giving, don't do it because you're not, you're not getting anything from it. But you offer your body as a living sacrifice. The next thing that was in the temple, so you had the, the outer court, which could be praise and which could, which could be worship. You have the laver, which could be repentance and looking to the cross. The next thing you have in there is, is, is a candlestick. All right? Now, in the scripture, it says, the Lord is the Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So picture these people in the Old Testament. They enter into to the courts of their Lord, of their God. They're supposed to, obviously, it sounds like there was singing and praising and glorifying God, and there's, there's a cleansing and a laver, and there's, there's sacrifices going on, and this sweet-smelling aroma just going up, and, and, but now we're, we're, we're offering ourselves up. And, and then they get into kind of the inner courts, the, 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 the inner part of the tabernacle, the inner part of the shadow, and inside there, there's a lampstand. Well, that's symbolic of, of, of the Spirit of God. He is the light. He is our freedom. There was, it would be dark in there without a lamp. There was no, 
There was no lights. There was no electricity. It would have been dark in this room. It was an enclosed room at this point in the, in the temple. And inside that room, the thing that gave it light was this lampstand. And it was ornate and decorated with, with almond branches and all these different things. And, and it was these, this candle that was glowing. But, but we don't have a lamp like that. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. We have his grace, we have his mercy, but, but we also have his spirit, and it illuminates us. And it's not just the spirit like this thing that we don't know who it is, because Paul tells us clearly, clearly the Lord is the spirit. You have Jesus living inside of you. You have Jesus living there, guiding you, bringing to mind everything you need. And I know that that I need the Spirit of God, and I pray for the Spirit of God, and I ask for God's Spirit to fill me and to lead me and to guide me. And then we get to the next piece in there, inside where this lampstand was. There was a table, and on the table there was bread, and they called it the show bread. It was the bread that, um, that would be there as, as a symbol, a loaf before the Lord. And I believe our bread is now the word of God, and we should feast on the scripture. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. I'm trying to give you some, trying to give myself an idea of what you can do to touch God this year. If you're really worshiping God, and if you're really getting a lifestyle of repentance where you wash yourself in the laver and you ask God for forgiveness and, and you don't walk around in sin and guilt because that's not God. And then you offer your body as a living sacrifice and say, God, here I am. Whatever you want to do, I will do it. And then you go to the Holy Spirit and you say, Holy God, I've already offered my body, but I can't make it alone. I need your spirit, and God, fill me with your spirit, Jesus. I need you inside of me, leading and guiding me. And then now you come to this table where there's bread. That is very symbolic of the word of God. And I know a few people that have gotten into the word this year. They've opened up their Bibles like never before. But you need to let the word do what the word does. It's profitable for correction, for reproof. Are you willing to let God's word reprove you? Or do you want to be wrong? Do you want to be wrong? Don't read God's word. But come to God's word. Read it. Do you want to be taught? Do you want to be corrected? Do you want to be trained? That's what God's word does. And here, here at Lakeside, like, man, I think you need to read it through the lens of Jesus. You need to find Jesus in the word. But you need to let the word speak to you. We have so many Christians that they don't know the word. And there's different ways to read the word. I'm, I'm going to cover like two or three real quick. One, you could do a verse a day. That for a few hundred years, different groups have, have put out. The Moravians have done it for a very long time. They put out like one scripture per day. And you, how many people do that? You get the Bible app. Here's my verse for the day. You open it up. You read it. And that's good. But you cannot only do that. Because if you're only getting a verse a day, you're not really getting all that God has for you. And think about it. At the table, it's bread. 
Do you know like when you're a little kid, like I remember going to restaurants with my parents, like the only thing you eat when you're a little kid, or at least me, was like chicken fingers and bread. Like that was good. My parents would take me to a restaurant. It would cost money and they'd be happy to have me there. And I'd be eating the rolls and other chicken fingers. If there's not rolls and chicken fingers, then I, you know, I don't really want that. You know, bread is, is something for everyone. It's something everyone can enjoy. And it's not like that sourdough bread, all right? If you like sourdough bread, God will fix that at the resurrection of the just, because that stuff is nasty. But if, but if you like that and I'm wrong, I'm willing to be wrong. But God, if you, it's not like that. It's not that bread that you eat and your face, ugh, I don't even know why they invented that. It is good bread. It is good life. It is something to, to give you energy. It is something that bread is one of those things that you can eat at every meal, right? Like you can put bread with your eggs and it's good. You can put bread on a sandwich and it's good. You can have some bread with some steak at dinner and it's good. Like bread is always a good idea. Bread is like the foundation of like almost every meal. You know, unless you're Puerto Rican, then it's rice. And if God, you know, the Israel, Israels were, Israelites were Puerto Rican, they probably would have had rice on the table, all right? But, but he used bread because it was one of those things like that is, is universal. But I'm afraid the word has not become universal for the church. We don't come to the word like we come for bread. You know, we, we don't come to the word. We don't open the word. We don't read the word. Some of you guys, I mean, reading might be very hard. I know, I know there, there's an epidemic of people I work in education who reading is just not your thing. Well, listen to it. Bible apps now, you can hit play and listen to a whole chapter of Scripture. All right? I'm not pointing anybody out, but there are some people that do that because they just don't like to read. I'm sorry, babe. <laughs> Forgive me. My wife can read perfectly, but she just says, I'd rather listen to it. I don't care what you do. But read it. Read it in your home. Read it on your own. My wife said, faith comes by hearing, Chris. And so that's fine. If you, very good. Well played. Well played, but, but feast on his word. And so I want to I I step back. I want to look and picture yourself in the temple where you, you walk in, and again, there's praise. And I hope, I hope you can really praise God. I, I know some people are like, well, I just don't like to sing. I don't care if you don't like to sing. Praise God. Praise him with words. Praise God. It works. God's powerful. And then there's this laver and really a lifestyle of repentance. Like, you're not going to make it if you don't learn how to repent. Like, yeah, we repent when we come to Christ, but you're going to make a mistake probably today, and you need to learn how to repent and to come to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Cleanse me from my sins. And then you have the, the altar where you offer your body, like your physical self, your whole life. God, it is yours. It is not mine. It is yours. And then you have the, the lampstand, which symbolizes the Holy Spirit, where, you, where every day you ask God for his presence to be in your life and to light and guide your way. And then you have the, the, um, the table with the showbread, God's word. It's very important. Go to it. Listen to it. Read it. Watch a YouTube video. Make your wife or your husband read it to you or your kids, but just get God's word into you and let it speak. And then you go to the altar of incense. Now, they used to burn incense, and it would go up there and as a sweet aroma. And um, what's interesting in the book of Revelation John, he mentions, he says, when he had taken the scroll, four living creatures. Heaven's crazy. If you read Revelation, there's a lot of stuff going on in that book. We don't have time, all right? But one of the things that we can say is that the, there were four living creatures and 24 elders, and they fall down before the lamb. That's Jesus. 
and they hold up a harp, and there's golden bowls full of incense, and they say, which are the prayers of the saints? So your prayers, Cornelius in the, in the New Testament, it said that his prayers and his alms had come up like a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Do you know your prayers matter? You want to learn how to get close to Christ? You want to learn how to talk to God? Don't just start with prayers. Don't just start with your laundry list. Start with a little bit of praise, then a little bit of repentance, then inviting, then offering your body up and saying, God, I praise you. I've messed up, but here I am again. I offer myself afresh, but I can't do it alone, so I need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead me, but I want to make sure it's the Holy Spirit, so God, give me your word and, and make sure your word is what's guiding me. And then come and offer up your prayers, and the scripture talks about them going up to God like a sweet aroma. Because if you are filled with his word and his spirit, and you've offered your body, and you've, you've repented and you've been praising him, those prayers are probably going to be in line with his will. Because by the time you've made it through that process, I don't think there's going to be a lot of self left. It might be selfless prayers, prayers that are asking for his will to be done. See, what happens is we ask tons of selfish prayers, and God might answer a few of those. I don't know. Sometimes he does. But the point is when you get to a place where you're praying and it's just praying for God's will to be done and for his kingdom to come. I think those prayers work. I think God answers them. And so this year in 2018, if you want to know God, look at this process that they set up, and I think that it's all revealed in Christ. There's, there's things that come through in Christ. And the last piece on there was, was the Ark of the Covenant, which is a really amazing box that was you know, you touch, you die type of thing. It was really just an amazing box that had, um, at different times in the scripture, they say there were different things in there, but um, it represented the covenant or the promise of God. And this is the last point I want to make is, is remember that God made a covenant with you in Jesus. Jesus, on, on the day that he was betrayed, as he was about to be crucified, he had taken the cup after having eaten, and he said, this is the cup that is poured out for you in a new covenant in my blood. And when you're little and you're kids, I don't know, at least it was this way in the 80s. I don't know what a lot of people did after the 80s. But when I was a kid in the 80s, there was blood brothers, and parents were always like, don't do that because that's gross, and you get like hepatitis or something like that. But, you know, this idea that, that if you sh- your blood together, then you were blood, and you were, you were there, and you, you were one, and you, you, were, you were together and that blood matters. And, and even in our families, there's something that happens differently when, when somebody messes with your blood versus somebody that messes with your friend. I don't know, it makes me just a little bit more angry. Even if you don't like your brother or sister, even if you don't like your cousin, it's still you say, that's my blood. That's, that's somebody that shares the same life because the life is in the blood as me. And when Jesus made a promise to us, when he made a covenant See, we don't do covenant, and I, I want to end with this, but I want you to hear this. We don't do covenant very well in 2018. Covenant is real. Covenant is forever, and covenant lasts. Covenant is not, you know, you're just you're not meeting my needs anymore, brother. You know, I, I just don't know that you're there for me, so I got to let you go. That's not covenant. Maybe the only word time we hear covenants when you talk about your HOA and who likes those things, right? 
I mean, your HOA, how tall you can put your fence and where you can, you know, what you can do and where your garbage can goes. Like, that's a bunch of garbage. Nobody pays attention to those things. They got garbage cans all over the place, and they got fences different heights and people getting fights over that stuff. But covenant is a promise. God has made a promise that he has backed up and ratified with the blood of his son. He has sealed it with the blood of his son. And remember the covenant. God made a promise to you, and he will not break his word. He can't. Even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. You have, God has made a promise to you, and he is not a man that he won't lie. Some of you have been lied to by people. People have given their word. Like we watch Amazing Race sometimes as a family, and people backstab each other, and we laugh, and we're like, God, oh, dummies. But we get backstabbed all the time. It's hard to find a man or a woman of their word. There's no, we have a, covenants are negotiable. Everything's negotiable. I know I said I was going to do this, but things have changed. God never changes. So when he made his promise, it's not like there's something new that's going to pop up. I'm like, you know, I was going to save you from your sins, and I was going to forgive you. But, you know, things happen. So we're just, I'm going to have to do me. You do you. God doesn't act that way. If he makes a promise, he knew what it meant. And he knew what it would take. And he's going to stand by his word. And so as we close, you guys, that are, we're going to close with communion as, as we celebrate the covenant that was made with us. What, what I want you to see just one more time is if you want to spend time with Jesus in 2018, you can look back to the temple and say, how is that a shadow of things to come. And this idea that praise is very powerful and a lifestyle of repentance where they would have to go and wash themselves and you have to learn how to get over your sin and not let it hold you back and repent quickly. Don't hold on to your sin because it will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. And then you, you go and you, you offer, you look to the cross of Christ and you offer your body as a living sacrifice. And you say, God, have your way in my life. But I can't do this, so I need your spirit, God. God, but I want to make sure it's your spirit, so I eat your word and I devour the bread of life. And God, now I offer up my prayers, which hopefully are led by your spirit and guided by his word and truly faithless. And then, and then you remember the covenant that he made a promise and he won't ever let you down and ever let you go. But I want you just to bow your head just for a second. Because even though God has made a promise to you, and God has not broken his side of the deal, there might be somebody in here that you can say, you know what? It's been a while since I've, I've purposely tried to come into God's presence, that I've come through Jesus Christ. There is no other way but through the blood of his son, but, but I haven't repented of my sin. I haven't, I haven't been in his word I haven't looked for the Holy Spirit to enlighten me and guide me. I, I haven't offered my body as a living sacrifice. Or maybe you just neglected the covenant that, that God made a promise to you that he would never leave you and never forsake you, but you kind of turned your back on him. The good news is, is he still loves you, and he hasn't forsaken you. And he's here today to forgive you and to pick you up and to restore you if you would but ask. If that's you, if you feel like you've, 
turned your back on God a little bit or maybe just given him the cold shoulder. Would you put your hand up and say that to me? I'd, I'd like to be right with God. He loves you so much, people. With everything in my being and everything I feel that the Spirit is saying and everything I see in God's Word, He loves you so much. He gave His Son for you. He has good prepared and not evil. Just receive His grace today, people. Tell Him you're sorry and ask Him for forgiveness. Just right there where you're at. Just take a few seconds. I want you just, anybody that needs to pray, just pray. Just and believe his word. Believe his promise. And receive grace for today.